What's up, my storage investors? It's Chris, the host of the Storage Investors Show. Hope you guys are doing well today. Our guest is John Lindsay. He is a broker, self-storage broker, a co-founder and president of Lindsay Self-Storage Group. So we talk all about brokerage, how sellers sell, how buyers buy, the state of the market, those sorts of things. So if you want to understand how brokers might you look at you if you're going to buy a facility and you're reaching out to try and work with a broker, this episode will be very helpful. If you're looking to sell a facility in the future, this episode will be helpful helpful, I should say, for you to get your facility ready to uh, be listed on the market. And of course, reach out to John. He'd be glad to talk to you about those things as well. Two things real quick. This is pre-recorded for my YouTube channel. You guys probably know that by now. So there's a few of these uh, interviews here in the beginning of the podcast where uh, the first 20 plus episodes are pre-recorded recorded from about a year ago. So just be aware of that. And second thing, or last thing, I guess it's, I should say, the uh, Storage Investor Summit is coming up soon, March 2021. Mark calendars for that. All right, guys, without further delay, let's get right to it with John Lindsay. Everybody got John Lindsay here from the Lindsay Self Storage Group. Uh, thanks for being here, John. Really appreciate it. Let's talk about uh, your background a little bit and then, well, you're a broker, so the folks know, but let's talk about your background a little bit in self-storage, how you got into the space, why you like it so much, and uh, you, you know, what do you kind of see in the market at this point mm-hmm. in time in the cycle? Yeah, so my dad actually started building storage in 1969 in Dallas, Texas. So whether I liked it or not, I grew up around the business. Uh, I was you know, running machinery and pouring slab at an early age, and he built 150 properties across the country. So kind of the lifeblood of my family. Uh, and coming through college, I said, Dad, I really like storage. Uh, I don't love building them as much. So uh, I'd like to get into the brokerage business. And so in 2012, I launched Lindsay Self Storage Group with my younger brother, Alan, who some of you may have met. Uh, and we started doing brokerage throughout the Southeast. Um, we're based in Durham, North Carolina and Nashville, Tennessee, and cover pretty much the Bible Belt there. Um, we used to do, we used to have management company as well. We did used to do development as well. And we do a lot of international consultation, uh, speak at the, the Asia show every year and do some work in Europe as well. So we've got a, a wide reach, uh, but we like the Bible Belt. That's kind of our real backyard right there. Okay, excellent. So that's pretty cool. I, I did see a post that you mentioned on LinkedIn or somewhere about how they do self-storage overseas in Asia. That's actually like, oh, really cool. I want to get to that later on uh, in, in, the, in the conversation. But anyway, so what do you yeah. see? You're, you're a broker, you're around dealers, you got, you got plenty of deals uh, in the pipeline and some I'm sure that you're working on behind the scenes. Um, what are you seeing right now in the market, you know, price-wise, seller expectation, buyer expectation, like what's going on right now? So I think the, the first thing is none of us really expected rates to go down again this year. Last year, we were telling people, you know, refi, take advantage of it. We're never going to see these again, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we see this huge pullback in the 10 years. So people are saying, wait a minute, I can lock up, you know, three and a half, four percent non-recourse debt for 30 years. Like, do it. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, for those who didn't listen last year, and I was wrong, I didn't think it'd go down again. Lock up debt while you can, buy deals while you can. Debt is cheap. Take advantage of it. Um, I will say that being said, it is hard to find a clean deal in this day and age. We're seeing a lot of stuff with some hair on it, some expansion pieces, maybe some some funky debt or some permitting needs to get done. To find a clean storage deal with no hair on it of any capacity this year is is few and far between, and you should definitely take advantage of it if you can find one. Okay, gotcha. So when you say no hair on it, I, I get what you're saying, but help folks understand what that is because we see uh, people who have no idea about stores, but they want to kind of get mm-hmm. into it. They don't know how to start. So what do you mean by that? Correct. Yeah. So no hair would be, it is a straightforward, you know, 40 to 60,000 square foot site, no expansion needed, good management in place, no significant CapEx. You can kind of go in and turn the key and make it yours day one. 
so, so no hair is a very simple transition, changing of the guard, and you just assume roles with a new group day one. Yeah, just straightforward. It's maybe maybe there's yep. a management situation there, but otherwise, it's just you just get into the deal and you're hopefully Correct. doing well, just as well as the past seller is doing, if not better. So, okay, gotcha. The ones that are a yep. little bit hairy, uh, what are you seeing? Mm-hmm. What are you seeing with those? What's the situation? So we're seeing a lot of uh, CO deals, lease up deals, permitted dirt, entitled dirt, uh, future construction sites, and you know all those storage is a fantastic business, and it has been for many decades, and will continue to be so for many decades. We're seeing some markets having some oversaturation issues right now uh, in the southeast, particularly parts of Charlotte, parts of Nashville, parts of Tampa, parts of Miami. And now you can't blanket an entire market. We know that our pockets are these one, three, five mile rings. Um, but we are seeing a little bit of overconstruction in those markets. And as such, we're seeing these, you know, lease up CO deals kind of with, you know, odd valuation on them, on them from time to time. There's a gap between buyer and seller expectations. Um, and I'd say that's kind of one of the, the, the gaps we're seeing in the market nowadays. Um, but other than that, you know, we are seeing some good transactional volume on the market. And I think we will continue to do so for the rest of the year. Yeah, one thing you mentioned earlier on was really interesting that nobody predicted where we would be at this point in time. There was one guy, I listened to uh, Hunter Thompson. If you guys don't know him, you should subscribe to his podcast. It's very good. But he had a guest on that said, you know what's going to happen is the interest rates will be cut later this year. And that was in like February, January, something like that. So he was the only one that I know of. But otherwise, you know, yeah, completely out of left field. So like you're saying, (laughs) find a deal and make it work, obviously, go for it. Um, And those... Those those clean deals are kind of hard to come by, but okay, let's transition for a second. So if you, you work with the yeah. top sellers, right? So you, there there may be mm-hmm. a seller listening right now or watching right now, and they say, you know, I'm thinking about selling my deal, um, uh, but I've never worked with a broker before, or maybe I've worked with a broker in the past, it just wasn't a great experience. What is it like? Yeah. like how do you work particularly with sellers? How do you help them uh, capitalize on the value or unlock the value at their facility and yeah. position that in the market? So one of the things that we really bring to the table is having built sites and run them from an early age. We know what it means to be an owner operator. Um, you know, we've been on the other side of the desk. We know the trials and tribulations of running a property and dealing with contractors and building them out. We know the, the love and work that you put into these. They're they're your babies. They're your, your your little goose egg there. So when we go to value them, we know all the nooks and crannies and how to maximize the value there and take it to market. On the other hand, we work with private equity groups, hedge funds, REITs. So we know both ends of the transaction and how to really bring them in the middle to get a, a easy deal across the table and make sure that everyone's satisfied in the deal. Um, so I think, you know, again, we do a lot of work in, you know, tertiary markets in the Southeast, those two to $10 million deals. Uh, we also do a lot of institutional work in core markets in the Southeast. So we understand both types of products, but at the end of the day, it, it's really finding what that, that seller is looking to get and then finding the right buyer in our you know, really broad network that we have for being in the business for years and just kind of meeting in the middle to, to get a good deal done. Okay, that's good. So if a seller is thinking about uh, listing their property for sale, their storage facility for mm-hmm. sale, um, yep. what would you recommend? Some, how would, what kind of things would you recommend that they could do to increase the value you know, besides the simple mm-hmm. things like raise rents? But is there anything else that they can do to, to increase value? Because every dollar you bring in uh, NOI, you apply that cap rate to it. I mean, that's that's value right there that you correct as an owner and, and so depending on kind of the time on and how quickly someone would like to sell um it, it's a very important conversation to have because if you say you know what i want to sell in the next six months i'm going to tell you don't bother implementing tenant insurance don't bother putting trucks in don't jack up your rates all of a sudden because 
these buyers are going to look on your trailing 12 cash flows. They want to see where they can go in and create the value. Now, if you say, John, I'm interested in maybe selling in the next two to five years, I would tell you to go ahead and put all those ancillary income sources in place, reinvest in the property, go ahead and fix those cracks, maybe fix the roofs, make those large capital investments, and that will help kind of the and the back end sales price in that time frame. Um, but up front, the easy things are, you know, lighting, landscaping, painting, put a little lipstick on the pig, as we say, and just make the property presentable. That's a very cheap and easy fix to really show your property well to a potential buyer. Okay, that's that's really good. Okay. Um, let's switch over to the buyer side. So you work with plenty of buyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, a yeah. buyer will have a different perspective. Like, like you just said, they'll, they're going to want to come in and see uh, what they can do, how they can juice it, and you know, at least squeeze a little more juice out of the deal uh, as mm-hmm. they own the property. How do you, uh, if somebody's looking for a deal, let's say, let's say they're a first-time buyer, they don't know what they're doing, like, mm-hmm. how, how would you advise them going about looking for a self-storage deal and what mm-hmm. to kind of look out for? So one of the things that we do on the buy side is we love to educate buyers, especially first timers. And again, having been on the owner operator side, the development side in the past, we can go in and kind of show them the intricacies of the business that tend to get overlooked. You know, storage at its at its core is a very simple business. But as you know, Chris, I mean, people tend to look over those little things that really add up over time, such as certain capex items. Um, you know, family members that may be getting free units that you know aren't really accounted for during the due diligence process. Um, you know, what cash is a seller taking in? Uh, so little things like that add up at the end of the day with the deal. And we want to make sure that our buyer gets a product that will you know, work for them in the long run and be a good investment because I'm not getting hired again if someone's not getting a good deal out of it. So yeah. we want to ensure that the people are happy with their investments that they're making. You know, storage is a very tight knit, small community. We all run across one another. We all know each other, especially you know, second generation guys. We all grew up together. And so we want to make sure that everyone can be successful in this space. There's plenty of room for everyone. And we want you know, people to make smart investments so they keep coming back time and time again. Okay, great. Uh, that makes sense. So when you work with a buyer, do you try to uh, vet them in any way to, just to make sure? Because if you don't have the capital or maybe the experience, mm-hmm. is, there, is there a vetting process there that people do need to be aware of that they aren't just going to go, I'm going to go buy a storage facility even though I don't have the money? Like, How do you kind of figure that out and then educate them in the process? So one of the first things I always like to do is, is obviously ask about their track record. You know, what, what real estate investments have they done in the past? Have they done anything at this size or scale? Um, and then the second thing we talk about is, is certainly a bank conversation. Have you talked to a lender? Have you been approved for this type of deal size? Uh, have you started that conversation on your own? I, I love nothing more than when a buyer comes to me with a list of questions because that shows me they've done their preliminary homework. And whether it's, hey, you know, I've heard about these management companies. Can you tell me a little bit more about them and what that process looks like? You know, I've thought about if I were to do an expansion, I've already talked to these steel companies. Can you tell me a little bit about them and how they work? Or, you know, I've gotten a feasibility done for this market. I just kind of want to know a little more from you about the transaction side and what you've seen here. Like, I love that. It, it, it opens up that conversation window and really helps me educate the buyer as much as I possibly can at the end of the day when they come in kind of with a little bit of background into what they're doing. And, you know, if someone comes to me with none of that prepared, it's really hard to, to work them and ensure that they're going to get across the finish line at the end of the day. Okay. That's excellent, man. That makes a lot of sense because you, 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 some people yeah. just kind of kick tires and they, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to waste their time because if their expectations are in a certain place correct, you know, and then they, they obviously can't get the deal done or whatever, like that's not, that's mm-hmm. a bummer for everybody. So that's a great point. Well, exactly. I mean, no, no, no one wins in that, in that deal. And again, I want, I want seller to win. I want buyer to win. 
I mean, again, this is a small space for a tight community. Everyone knows each other. There's still plenty of room for everyone to get in. So we want to make sure that buyer and seller alike are very happy and it's a smooth deal because a smooth deal is success for everyone. Okay, great. Perfect. Let's talk about um, you spoke overseas. I can't remember uh, if it was in Singapore. Uh, where was it? Shanghai. Shanghai, that's right. Okay. So you spoke overseas yep. in, in Shanghai. You did a presentation yep. on self-storage, et cetera. How do they do storage over there? Because let me back up for a second. I've talked to some yeah. people and they say, man, you know, certain markets overseas and countries and all that storage is like ripe for the picking because the, uh, you know, the, the amount of st- yeah. the saturation level is so low. Uh, what do you yeah. think of the overseas market, like it's Shanghai or anywhere else? And then how do they do storage over there? Let's talk about that for a second. So first of all, to go to go anywhere outside the U.S., you have to have a level of patience. Uh, in Europe, stuff moves at a glacial pace. You have to be very ready to get a deal done. Uh, recently, I was working with a client. It took them a year to negotiate an LOI. Um, so that's you know just a much slower oh pace than we've seen in the states to begin yeah. with. Yeah. Uh, in in Asia, um, everything is I say everything. Ninety percent of the deals are leasehold, and these aren't. 20, 50, 90-year ground leases. These are three- and five-year leases on the seventh floor of a building in the middle of downtown Hong Kong. Um, Now, you're getting $96 a foot in rent, which is fantastic, but at the end of three years, your landlord could kick you out, you break down all your units, and move across town without notifying all your tenants. So there's uh, a lack of infrastructure. Oh, my God. um, And there's government came in a couple of years ago and slapped some really strong regulations on storage after a big fire facility in Hong Kong. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a very new and virgin industry. It is the Wild West. There is a ton of money to be made, but there's also a ton of money at risk. And so if you find the right local partner um, and some of those markets are more stable than the others, uh, they're very advantageous, such as you know, Hong Kong, Singapore. Uh, Japan is by far the most uh, stable and, and advanced market in Asia. Um, we're seeing a few new operators go into Vietnam and open there. Um, Australia, obviously, is a very mature market as well. But if you're really going to get into that southeastern Asian market, you have to have a strong partner, a lot of capital, and a lot of patience. Wow, that's interesting. How do they do – let's talk about technology for a second because I think you mentioned that they run their um, – so obviously, you, t- you just said they take a floor in yeah. the building and then mm-hmm. everything else is run by tech. Is that right? Like Correct. So a lot of the sites are fully automated. And I'll tell you, it's funny. I always tell people the Asian market is like the opposite of, of the U.S. Their tech is really advanced where they're still trying to figure out the real estate portion. Whereas I feel in the States, we've got a real good hole in the real estate and we're just kind of really breaking into the tech world. Um, so, you know, you go up to one of these these floors, let's say seven floor in Hong Kong at a storage facility. You may Skype just like this with someone in an office across town. They scan your thumbprint to get in or give you a QR code to scan with your phone. You get into the site and you, again, you scan another QR code to open your specific locker there. Uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool and it's pretty advanced. But the funny thing is in that building, you may have three different operators on floors seven, eight, and nine. So again, imagine being stacked right <laughs> on top of your competition. You know, I mean, you think building next to each other is bad enough or across the street. Imagine, you know, the difference of a press and an elevator button takes you yeah. one of your biggest competitors. That's that's crazy, man. That's so interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's wild. Yeah, we yeah. I mean, we're getting into kiosks. Well, kiosks has been for a while. Kiosks have been around for a while, but like you were saying, some of the tech and all that is like, oh, now we're touting it as like a big marketing yeah. kind of breakthrough, whereas some other yeah. countries just kind of just par for the course. So Well, and that's, I was at the show in Shanghai. I was talking with an operator and we were talking about his site in Beijing. And he literally clicked a button on his phone and every single door to his facility just popped wide open. 
And I, I was just fascinated by that. I mean, we just don't get that in the States here. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. if we could smooth out that process, I think that um, the fully yeah. automated type stuff would make, will get much more traction mm-hmm. than I think it has so far. Absolutely. So, that's yeah. Okay. yeah. There's tremendous value in that. And there's again, yeah. a couple groups in the States that have really started to kind of like drive it home and I'd love yeah. to see more of it. But I think uh, the, the Asian countries are definitely leading the front on that. For yeah, sure. It sounds like they're crushing it in that, in that, in that. Space. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Great, man. Well, I think, I think that pretty much wraps up uh, the conversation. So we talked about your background. Yeah. We talked about sellers, kind of what they're looking for uh, when they try to sell and obviously how they can add value, whether it's six months, if they want to sell in six months, or if they have some more time, they can do some more things to add real true value to their yeah. facility. Uh, we talked about buyers, what they're looking for and how they kind of look at the financials and we'll look back and say, okay, you know, where's the value here? Where's the value add here? Uh, we talked about the market, that the market is a little bit tough right now, but if you can get your interest rate locked in at this point in time, do it, you know, don't, don't, don't hesitate at all. Um, and then some of the buyers are coming into the market. They need to be prepared financially, mentally, uh, kind of do their homework, talk to brokers like yourself um, and, and get expert advice and input onto where they should go, what they should do, who they should do business with and where they should look. So uh, John, I really appreciate it. How can people get in contact with you if they want to find out more uh, and even maybe list or buy? Yep. So again, you can go to our website always, www.lindsayselfstoragegroup.com. Uh, Lindsay is spelled with an E. Uh, you can also reach me directly on email, john at lindsayselfstoragegroup.com. Uh, I'm available 24-7 via text as well, 919-381-7799. Uh, I'm also on WhatsApp, Line. I'm on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever. Uh, feel free to get a hold of me however you'd like, and we'd love to help you. John, that's fantastic, man. Super connected out there in the internet space, crushing it. Thanks so much for being on, John. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, we'll Chris. It appreciate it, man. All right. Thank you so much. Talk soon. All right. That was John Lindsay, co-founder and president of Lindsay Self Storage Group. If you're looking to buy or sell a facility in the future, please do reach out to him and his group. They'd be glad to help you and answer any questions uh, that you might have about selling or purchasing self-storage and beware john's book we didn't talk about it in the episode at all but john has a book coming out pretty soon called the sexy side of self-storage an insider's guide to a necessary commodity that will be out in uh, spring of 2021 so if you're listening to this at that uh at that time obviously in spring 2021 take a look see if you can find his book there on amazon or reach out to him directly all right guys that's it for now i'm chris host of the storage investor show please shoot me an email chris k-r-i-s at storageinvestorshow.com. I read every single email. I want to hear your feedback, comments, how I can make the show better, the topics that we should discuss going forward that will help you in your self-storage investing journey. That's it for now. I'm Chris. I'll talk to you soon.